What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Austin is a young man from Charleston, South Carolina. He's living in Bangkok, running scooter tours for tourists all around Bangkok. It's his own business. It's called Best Bangkok Tours. Bumped into him one night at a comedy club, kind of shot the shit for a second. And then, sure enough, it turns out that we know the same people. Super funny coincidence. Another signpost for me that I'm definitely in the right place at the right time. And just talking to him, he's really articulate. He kind of takes us through the whole process of where he is today, the ups and downs. You know, he's only 23, still super young, but he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's wise beyond his years. Um, he's found himself in some crazy haunts, you know, in Bangkok that he draws upon throughout the conversation that I think are really interesting and, and worth listening to. And, um, I hope that you get something wonderful from his story that motivates you then to take that next step out into the unknown and do what you really want. Please remember that if this is your first time listening, to pull out your phone and subscribe to Misfits and Rejects. If you like what you hear at the end of this episode, please leave a comment on your podcast player. If it's iTunes, you know, leave a con- comment with iTunes. That really helps me out in the ratings. I really appreciate that. Uh, also remember you can follow me at Misfits and Rejects on Instagram. I'm really posting a lot of cool stuff that I'm doing, kind of tracking my own lifestyle design. I'm in Thailand right now, going after my dreams of being a digital nomad, being a location independent from work, so you can kind of track my, my progress as I you know, make, make another attempt at it. I've been doing this for a few years now, going back and forth to the States, but I'm out again, really giving it a go. I think this is going to be a, a winning try. I genuinely think that this time around, I will make enough money to at least sustain myself while in Thailand for quite a while. And for those of you who really love Misfits and Rejects and appreciate what I do, you know, you can donate on Patreon. It's a monthly donation, whatever you want. It's always super helpful, but not expected. Uh, I just want you to know that I appreciate you for just listening, coming and joining me every Monday. I'll keep doing it no matter what. So with that said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Austin Blevins. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I am joined by somebody I just by chance encounter <laughs> Bangkok, random night last night, comedy club. And guess what, folks? Another signpost in my life. We happen to know the same people from Charleston, South <laughs> small Carolina. Small world. A small world. Yeah. Please welcome Austin Blevins to the show. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Very happy to be here, man. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet yeah. you too. So we have a mutual friend, Jesse Duffy. Yeah. And Kyla Russo, yeah. um, older sister Magenta, who's a good, good close friend of mine, and just somebody that you know took me around Charleston, showed me a good time. I've been there a few times. Love your city, holy city. And yeah. uh, but I'm a man. You're in Bangkok now. Bangkok, man. And you're doing scooter tours. I'm doing scooter tours. Yeah, <laughs> which is uh, why I brought you on the show because this, this <laughs> contract. You're 23. You're in Bangkok doing scooter tours, making a living. I mean, you're in the hustle. You're but you're living a cool lifestyle. Yeah. And this whole podcast about lifestyle design. So let's talk uh-huh. about it, dude. Sure. Maybe before you start, can you just give the audience a little bit of your background? Uh, where you're, I mean, you weren't born, you were born in Houston, you grew yeah. up in Charleston, but yeah. like, why don't you take it from there, dude? Yeah. So, I mean, grew up in, grew up in Charleston, uh, moved around a lot. Both my parents were in real estate. Um, parents got divorced real young. 
um, yeah, we, we just, we moved around a lot, which I, the reason I say is cause like, I've never considered, uh, your, whatever house you're in to be your home. I was always taught that a home is any house really, you know, like any house can be a home sort of deal. Um, wasn't really a great student. Um, didn't really love the beach, even though I kind of grew up on it, man. Um, but had just a lot of great memories. Sullivan's Island where I grew up is this little town with a little Island, Barry Island with no traffic lights, man. Like really like Mayberry land. I had a hard time sleeping when I was a kid. I used to wander around at night and like I would duck the, like the one cop if he saw me. I was like seven or eight years old, man. So I used to stay over at people's houses and the moms would call in the morning. My mom, oh my God, we lost your son. We lost him. <laughs> She'd be like, he's here. You know, it's fine. Um, but yeah, Charleston, Charleston was really cool growing up, man. Really cool. You know, everybody kind of knows everyone and you've got the college there. Everybody's got older brothers and sisters. So like we kind of party hard and yeah. Yeah, what cool what was your thing though growing up? I mean, did you have a passion? Was it something that you were always like playing video games or some shit? Like no, that? like I kind of went through different phases, man. Like movies was a big thing. One summer I watched every film on the AFI's 100 greatest films list. Um, reading when I was younger, before I found like, before I found like smoking pot and hanging out with my friends and all that, like I was a huge book nerd. I mean, before like partying and all that. So I used to read voraciously. Um, but yeah, I was never super into sports, man. I, I didn't have like a, a super big passion. I was just always, I don't know, kind of like a funny guy in the group, you know, just kind of like the class clown kid, whatever. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Right on. And then, um, yeah, you said you weren't a great student. So like after high school, I mean, what was your trajectory? Like what, what were you? Yeah. To so, do so, so in high school, by the way, I did graduate from Wando High School technically. So my two good friends, they went to the magnet school in Charleston, one of the best high schools in America. And, uh, I was working a lot and I was doing online classes. I realized. I could just pay them because I'm working to take my last eight high school courses to graduate online. So I had this little sweatshop set up in my dad's, in my dad's kitchen table of kids just pounding out on Adderall for like eight hours straight doing all my classes. So my trajectory was like, I'm not doing college. Uh, mom and dad not happy. Um, so I'd go travel for a bit. I come to Bangkok. Um, I travel around Europe a little bit. Um, come back working, saving up, just trying to do that. Yeah. That's cool. So then how much are you paying those kids to do your schoolwork? Dude, it was like, well, I'm paying them in like grams and <laughs> I'm paying them in like grams and like crinkled up twenties, man. Just okay. bits and pieces here and there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, pre-conversation, we, we, we touched a little bit about your history and, um, and the different sides of life you've walked through, especially in Bangkok and then back in Charleston as well. Sure. You talked about, you know, being a wild child a yeah. little bit, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, you're definitely sounds like you're in a really good spot right mm -hmm. now with your trajectory. Can you talk about the, the different sides of life and like what you've experienced through your travels? Sure. Maybe here specifically in Bangkok or even in Europe. Like, I mean, what side of you were you before you got okay. to where you are now? Yeah, that's good, man. I like that question a lot. Um, a lot of sides I was. So when I, when I first started traveling, I left, uh, I realized that I didn't know a lot about the world really. I, and it was fast. I realized that I had a real interest more. I shouldn't say that the most thing I've, I, what I learned is I was really fascinated by other people and where they came from. And when I went to places, I didn't really care about the site so much. Um, I wanted to go to, you know, like the local watering hole, meet like actual people, see what life is like. Um, and I think I learned that, uh, I may be personable to a fault at that time in my life, you know, really just wanting to, fit in, but I was confident to an extent, but just really wanted to be there, like be the life of the party. You know, the saddest time for me was like 4am when everybody's going home. Cause to me, it just didn't compute. Like why, why can't we make it last? Um, and then here was, uh, the side I really learned here when I moved here for the first time was my mom had just passed away. Um, and I got about 40 grand from an insurance settlement. 
So I'm like a, you know, 19, 20 year old kid with $40,000. Mom just died of alcoholism and I'm in literally the the Bangkok, the big mango, which our phrase here is it'll make a hard man humble, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) and I was not a hard man by any means. So yeah, dude, it was, uh, I learned another side of myself, you know, like kind of nonstop gambling and drinking and part like sleeping till, you know, 7 PM at night, you know, and staying up till 11, you know, going out to ending up at these bars at the end of the night where it's not even a bar. You're just at some dude's house who like are a bunch of fiends and you're just like hanging out. So I think different things, man. But the, I guess coming out of all of that now to something I think is more healthy is, um, I learned that we all kind of make mistakes and I was just way too hard on myself about those mistakes. I did things that everybody else did, but it would just crush me. You know, like you get drunk and you say something really stupid or you act really dumb and I would apologize, but it would still kill me inside a little bit. And then I've stepped away from that. Now I've gotten out of that one. I'm like, you're not special. Like you're not unique. We all mess up. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's been a learning experience, man. Well said, well said. And that's profound. I think what was just so the audience knows like your gambling thing, what was it? What'd you do? (laughs) So it started off, man. So my aunt and uncle live here. It started, my, my uncle's from former Yugoslavia. His, uh, he moved to America, um, and within a few months, his passport, no, his country no longer existed, right? He's Serbian and, uh, he managed pool halls in hell's kitchen. So he, and I was kind of fascinated with it as a kid, but then hanging out with him, he kind of showed me the game and I really liked all the guys in the pool hall. And I just started going a little bit more, a little bit more. And before I knew it, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, you can put 200 baht, which is about five bucks us. You can put five bucks on this game and everybody's doing it. Okay. Then you get a little better and it's like, oh, you have to kind of put some money on it. Well, then I'm not the best pool player and I'm spending money. I'm losing it. I don't really care. It's fine. It's more for the fun. But then I realized like, wait a second, you don't have to be playing to put money. You can put money on anybody that's playing right now. So I met these Filipino bookies and it just kind of started from there, man. I mean, I had, I mean, the, uh, I've been up and down 500, 600, 700, 800 bucks, like multiple times, you know, in a, in a, in a night where it's just, these streaks are going hot and cold and it's crazy. Um, so you're not playing a lot of these, I'm not playing a lot of these anymore at this point, man, I'm kind of sitting there drinking, you know, messing around with the guys and just side betting everything, you know, like, will he make this ball 10 bucks? Like, okay, well I'll give you that bet if it's three to one and you start doing this crazy math odds and you've got like four side bets on this guy, you're splitting your bets with three other people too. So they're getting a piece of your action. It just, I was never good at math except for hustling a little weed in high school. And then that, like, it's all of a sudden like fractions made perfect sense to me, man. Like I knew I had 30% of your cut on that one, you know? So that is so, interesting, <laughs> yeah. dude, Yeah, that's just like wild to me. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those stories that you see in a Hollywood film. You know, yeah. It comes like yeah. Bangkok with that amount of cash. And yeah. next thing you know, he's tied up in a room yeah. with the mafia. <laughs> yeah, more like or less. Beat up. You know, did that ever, yeah. did that ever go down? No, no, no. Like they were cool, man. There was one guy, I won't say his name, but he, uh, like he was connected for sure to like kind of some Thai organized crime or something. But like none of these guys were, I say this about this place, but amazing thing about Bangkok, people are so peaceful because Thai people are so peaceful that we've all kind of, excuse me we've all kind of, um, accepted it that we're going to be peaceful as well. So no, nothing was ever like scary like that. And people always paid up. That was the thing. Like I I was always good and people are always good to me. I never really had anybody carrying out money on me or like I had points on them or anything like that or vice versa. So it was all pretty kosher. I mean, as far as degenerate gambling goes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Right on. So you ripped through that 40 K and found yourself needing a job. Yeah. Needing a job, man. So, um, 
I go back and I had, I had a bit of it left. My, my brother, so I take my little brother. He's, he's actually my best friend in the whole world. His name's Wyatt. Um, I grew up in his house. Family's very important to me. And, and so your little brother is not your, he's not my blood brother, brother but okay. he, it's just, I can't explain it. I spent half of my life in his home, man. I mean, it's, it's close, close. And so I decided he wants to go traveling and, uh, I want to go traveling too. So we got round the world tickets with like kind of the last little bits of my cash. We get round the world tickets. Around the world. Yeah, again. we get round the world tickets, man. He, he researches everything. He's the very kind of analytical one of us, the very, you know, type A kind of guy. And so he puts it all together and it's like, it's really crazy. It's a great deal, by the way. If you can save up two grand, you can get a 10 stop ticket around the world for as long as you like up to two years. You can let it take to, to finish the ticket. You just have to finish where you start and move in east or west either way. Um, so we do that. I'm back in Charleston. I'm living at my dad's house for a bit. I was depressed, man. I mean, it was dark. Like I just, uh, I was sleeping a lot. I was like working bits here and there, kind of odd, odd things like fixing little things, whatever, or, like picking up a restaurant thing here or there. But, um, you know, I was living rent free at my dad's at that time. So it wasn't super pressing. And that's a, if I can real quick, that's another life lesson I've learned is that it's, it's a really bad thing when you don't have anything to do. Like, uh, you see these people here in Bangkok and they come from just an insane amount of money. And they're just really messed up, man, because they, they live in golden cages. Like they, they can do whatever they want, but that kind of sucks. Like, I think the, there's an old tale about the greatest curse or the worst curse you could wish on somebody else is that whatever wish they want, they get it immediately. Cause after a day of that, like you're, you're absolutely miserable. If you could have everything you've ever wanted right now, you'd be the most depressed person in the world. And about three hours later, I mean, cause that's the whole point of life is that we're, you know, we strive and we struggle and things work out and they don't, it's interesting. So that was kind of my problem is I didn't have to struggle. I didn't have to do that. And yeah, I just kind of went in this depression and, um, eventually I find my way back to, um, eventually I find my way back to Bangkok though, is sort of the thing. So I, I, um, I'd been working construction for about a year, um, and doing residential housing, these big, big houses. And I liked it a lot at first and I met a girl. I liked her a lot. And, uh, her whole, I met her under the pretense. She met my dad at a bar. I met her because she told my dad she wanted to move to Thailand after she graduated. It's like, Oh, my son lives in Thailand. You guys should meet, we meet the next day or like hardcore dating within, I'd say three days after that. Like we were together immediately. Um, and then come back here, um, and start doing these tours. My, I'd done them before previously. So my aunt opened uh, best Bangkok tours about five years ago. Um, and they're excellent, man. They're so much fun. It's, it's great to get to meet people from all over the world. We're the only tour company in Bangkok that takes people around on scooters, which is how most locals actually get around the city, as I'm sure you've seen, because um, traffic is so bad. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's yes, been, yeah. Best Bangkok Tour is a, st- a scooter company. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you take people around on the backs of scooters mm-hmm. that are being driven by local Thai people. Correct. And you were talking about how... You really, you pride yourselves on giving a good, good tour. Mm -hmm. One of those tours that, you know, um, maybe only a Thai person would be able to give. Can you talk us about, into like, talk about that and what that really means to you and and how it translates to a client? Sure. So, and disclaimer, or if, uh, anybody from the Ministry of Labor is listening right now, I don't actually give tours. I'm the marketing manager. So, uh, yeah. and, And you said something too, like, how, how as good as a Thai person would give them? And, Thai people are intensely patriotic, by the way. Like Americans get that rep, they blow us out of the water. It's insane. They're fiercely Thai. So because of that, they're never really going to tell you any of the 
I'm not going to say bad things, but the things that aren't as, as pretty, you know, they're not going to, they want to show you the islands and the elephants, you know, they don't want to show you poverty or, or education, um, which every country has its problems. So yeah, to, to give a really good tour, what I, what my motto is, what I really, my mantra, what I really think when I'm giving tours people is how could I convince them to move here? Like, how could I really make them at least one time think like, oh my God, I'd love to live in this city. Like, this would be great. And I think if, and I tell people that if, if you had one thought the whole time before, after my tour or whatever, that you wanted to actually move here and you could live here, then I think I've done my job because anybody can move here, man. It's an easy city. Anybody can live here. Let's go yeah. through that a little bit because we touched upon that pre-show as well. Mm-hmm. And you talked about, you know, you did come over on a teaching English visa, mm-hmm. uh, education visa, Sorry, education yeah. visa. So like learning Thai visa. Yeah. So you were, came on a visa that's they, you're going to learn Thai mm-hmm. while you're here for what? Six months, a year. Yeah. You can renew it up to, you can renew it up to three years, but I was, mine was for a year. Right. And then within that period of time, you started working. I started working. So different things, man. Bartended for a while, um, turned out to be a gay bar, which was really funny. Um, or not a gay bar, but all the bartenders were, which was great. Cause, uh, I, this one girl, I thought she was really cute. One of the waitresses and they all like started smacking her away from me. And I'm like, what the hell, you know, what the hell's going on? And I asked her after the shift, I'm like, what was that all about? And they're like, they like you, like, they don't want me around you. I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, that's funny. So I, uh, and they were always trying to get me out to go clubbing with them. There's a really big gay scene in Thailand. They, it's, it's a non-issue here, like transgender, gay, any, it's, it's not like a, they have rights, like there's not legal gay marriage or any of that, but at the same time, there's no discrimination. Maybe so they don't have rights, but, but there's no, dis- I know it's such a, this is Thailand, like dichotomy thing. Right. So on paper, it's not a great place, but in reality, I've never been to anywhere else in the world that was as like sexually free as, as Thailand, Bangkok or as Bangkok is. Yeah, people just don't mind. What is the whole thing with the lady boys? I mean, it's kind of one of those things that yeah. Thailand's known for. Right. Um, is it a cultural thing that maybe some boys are groomed become mm. a lady boy? I don't, I don't understand it, know much about it, and I'm really wanting to learn. Yeah, so we say, uh, we say katoy. Uh, it's called a, a katoy, almost like you're saying cat toy, um, okay. for, for a lady boy. And yeah, to an extent, it is really cultural. Um, You'll notice a lot with, we call high-so, high-so ties, um, which are like wealthy upper-class Thai people. Um, you'll see a lot of their kids, like a lot of the really beautiful girls you see on posters around Bangkok, those are really high-so lady boys. So they had the really good hormones and really good surgeries and all that when they were very young. But culturally, it's... Wait, so just let me touch mm-hmm. on that. When they're very young, meaning like someone decided for them that they were going to become a lady boy? Well, that's or? a good question, right? That's a good question. Um, and why, I, I think why it's, would a high society want their child to? Right. And I think, <clears throat> and that's, so that's like a, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure why. I mean, I really don't. I think it is a very Asian, very Southeast Asian thing as well that just third sex is a thing. Like it's, it's just a, it's a third sex and it's just a, a thing. And I will say culturally, I guess here's my, my interesting question to ask you then is because there is a higher propensity of it, at least out and about in Bangkok, without a doubt, the transgender people, there's definitely more of them per capita than say America. Um, but is that because it has something to do with Thai culture or is that just because it's so accepted that if it was treated the same way anywhere else, would there be those same numbers? You know, great question. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I saw one the other night that was so hot. Yeah. <clears throat> Didn't know it was a lady boy, mm. but she was on her phone and then walked by and it just was like shocking in my brain to hear that voice mm-hmm. come out of such an ele- elegant, beautiful yeah. Thai woman. <laughs> <clears throat> um, 
So then, yeah, going back to your tours, you know, like what kind of alternative stuff are you showing these clients then that, you know, like, like you said, I mean, I guess my assumption was wrong. Like a Thai person probably wouldn't give the best tour because although they know all the spots, they don't want right. to show both sides. Correct. So then what sides are you showing that really kind of bang home to a, a client? Right. This place is so cool and so special. I want to move here. So there's one place and it's my favorite stop on my tour. Um, and I change it up a bit, but for the most part, it's a big circle around Bangkok. We see almost all of the important stuff. How long does it last? The tour? Three hours, three hours. And you can't do, I mean, it would take days on a, in a tuk-tuk or walk. Tuk-tuk's a little three wheel golf cart thing. Um, and it would take days otherwise, but because of the bikes, we just beat all the traffic. It's amazing. So there's this one spot that's near Chinatown. And in Chinatown, the streets, um, we call them soys, these little side streets like soy sauce, uh, the soy is a street, these little soys, um, they're all old shop houses. Like we were talking about where you have your business on the bottom floor and you live up top. And because flooding was so bad in this country forever, you had to do that. You know, you could kind of use it as a storeroom flooding came like your, your bed's not damaged everything. Your, your clothes are okay. But anyway, there's, uh, this street and it's, it's like this little metalworking street. Cause every soy in that area, one street does one thing. So it'll be a whole street of nothing but carpentry doors. It'll be a whole street of nothing but PVC piping. It would be like if you went down a block and one street was all McDonald's, one street was all Taco Bells. Like it just, it doesn't add up to our brains, but it makes sense to them perfectly. So, and in this metalworking district, there's this little old sign and it's just a, the do not enter one way, you know, with this dash through the middle sign. And I always take people past that sign down the one way road. And every single time there's oncoming traffic, like right next to us, you know, you know, these streets, they're tiny. And for me, it's just, and I don't think about this enough. Actually. It makes me really happy to think about it, saying out loud. It's that's how liberating this place is, is. I don't know how many tours I've done where in the past, like I was on ED visa working illegally. Right. And I'm going the wrong way down a one way road, no license, working illegally, showing these people. And nobody's honking at you. Nobody's saying like, hey, because we stick out. This is like a very Thai neighborhood. This isn't uh, somewhere you'd ever go. So we really stick out. Nobody ever says anything. Uh, police have been past me and they just look. They're like, hello. You know, like, because I'm not driving aggressively. I'm minding my own business. It's quicker to get that way. I'm not hurting anybody. And that's Thailand. And that's beautiful because in the same thing with lane splitting motorcycles, right? I tell people about that when they're on the tours. In America, you can't do that. And I really think a big part of it isn't a safety reason, because uh, look at California, they're fine. I think a big part of it is, is we have that mentality of, well, if I'm sitting in traffic, like, God damn it, you're going to be sitting in traffic too. And Thai people just don't, they don't care, man. They, they really just leave you alone here. So yeah, that's, that's like one little part of the tour that's, that's really important for me. I don't know how much for them, but for me, it's wildly important that we go down a one-way road and we might pass police and lots of people in traffic and nobody's going to say anything. And that's like quintessentially tied a little, a little grain that kind of sums up the entirety of what I feel about these people and their culture. Yeah. I think that that warm blanket of freedom that you just described is what we all thrive for mm. as expats, mm. knowing that or going out and doing things that we generally don't think are illegal or mm -hmm. should be illegal in a culture where they kind of agree. Like, even though it's illegal, like we don't really care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's totally cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's magical, I think. And that's why for myself as well. Like I love these places. I absolutely just feel so free here and I get to be myself. I'm not hurting anybody. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to do anything illegal. That's mm -hmm. going to like really damage someone's person or property. So like, who cares? Like, yeah. let me do my thing. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's cool. I think that, you know, so vision wise, what's your vision? Like what, where do you see this going? You're going to be right. here forever? 
Not forever. I won't be in Thailand forever. Um, uh, frankly, just climate. I love, uh, even though, like I said, I grew up on a little tropical beach in Charleston, South Carolina. I love the mountains and I love the cold, man. I do. Um, I love hiking and like fishing and streams and all that stuff. And, uh, so I see three to seven years, I would say where I'm going to really be here. I think I'll always have a connection to this place, which I have family here, you know, I'll always have a connection to this place. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to really grow the business and get it to the point where I can either be micromanaging it from, uh, you know, afar and having a couple people I really trust working for me and just kind of collecting that mailbox money, taking a small percent or just selling the whole thing outright, you know, in three to five years, one or the other. And I think I'd probably prefer keeping it alive because I really believe in it. I'd like to keep it alive, but just kind of step away to where I'm not doing um, the tours every day where I have more freedom to, to kind of work on something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now you're 23. Now you mentioned that your, your aunt start and uncle started this business. Correct. And then, but you took over. Now you're the full, but I took, I'm the full soul. I'm the only one involved with it. Right. Correct. So just for the audience, so they can re- relate a little bit to your experience. Mm-hmm. Like how is your tie? Because you only use tie drivers. I mean, right. <laughs> right. Is this a necessity? I guess is what I'm getting at. For no. somebody who wants to come over here and start their own business. No, not at all. Learning tie is not a necessity <clears throat> in Bangkok. So my aunt's been here, what, 10 years now. And I, I, we spoke earlier. She doesn't eat Thai food. She doesn't speak Thai. Um, I think you'll see a misconception about Thailand is there's Thailand and there's Bangkok. And you have to understand Bangkok is the third largest city in Asia. It's twice the landmass of New York. Twice, uh, almost three times the population of people of New York. It's, it's huge. It's international. You can get anything you want. So no, you don't need to know Thai, but you need a good lawyer. I went through, I went through quite a few lawyers, man. To um, get your business license. Yeah. Briefly, I have a funny story about lawyers. So the first one recommended by a friend and she was a nice lady. She was kind of flaky and her office was sort of weird and it was next to a massage parlor and you probably know where it's going, but so, she just kind of dodged me around and I don't think she really knew the law. She was sort of the assistant for the real lawyer. And I'm in there one day and she is wearing, like I go in, this is like a, supposed to be a law office and she's wearing like waist high white fishnet, like uh stockings. And you know, this really like Friday night, hardcore clubbing top and everything with full makeup, hair all done. And I just kind of, I was, I was in the middle of speaking to her and I just went, oh, I've got to go take a phone call. Never talk to her again, man. I'm like, this is, this is not working at all. I went through another group that was like the really expensive people and they didn't know anything either, by the way. It was amazing. My aunt had been using them for four years and they messed up some really simple stuff. And then finally I found some good people. I found some good people and, and that's what you need. You need good lawyers and you need, but you, because the, we say TIT, this is Thailand. And I will say this to anybody that wants to live here, I guess any country. If you want a direct answer about things, don't come to a third world country. Go to Germany, go to America, go to France, go somewhere where it's set in stone what is and what isn't. Um, yeah. That's funny. TIT, we use TIN, TIN. This is Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah, Nicaragua. right on. It must be international. Yeah. Why do you call it the Big Mango? I don't know where the Big Mango came from, to be honest. Um, so Bangkok, this is a little fun, unknown fact. Bangkok's actual name is the largest city name in the world by far. If you were to write it on that notebook, it would take up like the whole sheet of paper. It's crazy. In Thai. In Thai. Yeah. It's it's got so many words. Um, but yeah, I don't know how, how it became the big mango actually. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's uh, the big mango, hard man, humble, you know, (laughs) they don't call it bang C word. (laughs) I mean, like it's, there's a lot, man. Yeah. What's the most bizarre thing you've ever seen here? Oh my God. I mean, we don't think, you know, sexual stuff. I was about to say, yeah. Okay. Okay. You can go anywhere you want, but if anything's pops out, you're like, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I mean, 
Okay, there is one, but it's very, I think it's probably past R-rated. Um, the weirdest thing I've ever seen here. Oh, man. Here's, all right, this is a great, this is one of my first Bangkok stories. It's like when I first ever came. And it's not necessarily that weird, but just, I'll tell it. So I'm riding with my, my brother, my best friend, Wyatt, and uh, he's driving the bike. And we're about to turn right, and this guy cuts around us to the right. And by the way, in Bangkok, we drive on the... Uh, English, side. yeah, the English side of the road. Um, so this guy's flying and he low sides hard, skids his bike down hard because he almost hits us and we slam and like we kind of fall off, but we're all right. He's kind of messed up. So he starts screaming at us. We're new, dude. We don't know any tie. We don't know anything. We're right next to our hostel. And luckily though, all these motorcycle guys who I use for my tours, they have a big stand where they all sit. You've seen them all in the orange vest. And so they see this, this all kind of go down. We didn't see them, but they see it all go down. So this guy's screaming at us, you know, you owe us, you, you owe me all this money. Police are coming. I'm going to do all this, but like in Thai. So you kind of know what he's saying, but you don't. And we're freaking out, man. We're like, can you go to jail for this? Like we're in Thailand. I don't know. So anyway, my, uh, my main guy, Kunya, who I have a, a blood pact with my little brother. I have to name my firstborn child. Uh, he has to have Yan as a name. It means medicine in Thai. So his name is Mr. Medicine. And, uh, he comes out of nowhere, man saves us like 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 moses parting the sea like puts his arms and like grabs both of us behind him and just starts yelling at this thai guy before we know it there's another motorcycle guy another one dude within five minutes there was no exaggeration between 10 and 14 thai guys only one of which i barely knew had done some tours with him and they're like protecting us from this guy that was just trying to get a little bit of cash in other words we're Unlike America, like Thailand, Thai people are Thai. Japanese people are Japanese. Like they're not, it's not multicultural. They're very strongly Thai. So they always pick the side of Thai people. And that makes sense. And they picked our side. And so weird, maybe not, but like powerful and humbling. Yeah. yeah powerful. And hum that, that was it. And, and to this day, like I still work with this guy, Kunya is my man. He's, he's the main dude. He's That's always beautiful. got a smile on his face, but yeah, just that they like, they took our side. They saved, they, they did the right thing. And you'll find that more often than not always in Thailand, people just do the right thing, man. Yeah. You had a beautiful experience yeah. um, eating lunch the other day. Not really understanding. It's like one of these little side buffet street things and put a bunch on my plate because everyone was serving themselves, assuming I'm going to get ripped off. Mm -hmm. The lady's like, give me waters, giving me these like sweet sticky rices. And I'm just like, oh, no, no. She's like, no, no, it's free, free. Oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, right, dude. Yeah. Sure enough, at the end, that was 40 baht. Yeah. Like, she's like, you come back tomorrow. I was like, of course, dude. Like, yeah. That was the greatest service I've ever yeah. experienced. You know, you could have ripped me off because I didn't have a clue what was going on. Mm -hmm. Nope. Super legit. Amazing. So can I, if I can't do I thought of one other story. It's, Please. But, so this is weird, but in the mm -hmm. other direction. And this is, I guess, maybe a word of warning mm -hmm. um, to anybody going anywhere, but, you know, that wants to travel and go anywhere. So I met these guys. I won't say their name and I won't say their bar, actually. But it's in Bangkok. It was a new bar. Some German guys. They open it up and it was a great spot. Really different. Open really late. They paying off the military. Like, cool, man. There's not a whole lot of late, late night spots here. You have to, we're in a military uh, dictatorship, essentially. So you have to pay uh, off the military. So you have to pay have. off the military to be able to stay open that late. I see. Or you can pay off the police, but if you pay them off, you also have to pay off the military. Because mm -hmm. so you might as well cut out the middleman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it would be fiscally sound. But uh, anyway, I, I run into him. I've been going there a little bit. I run into my buddy um, that is half owner of the bar. He tells me the other owner of the bar had a psychotic, uh, psychotic breakdown. He got a call from his dad and the kids back in Germany in mental hospital. So while that's all going down, this kid was the one in charge of all the books and everything. So they're trying to just figure out, okay, well now we have to run this bar all by ourselves and get everything together trying to. And right as they're doing that, the universe is funny. 
they get like a knock on the door in the middle of the day. They're like, okay, I open it up. It's this guy. They've never seen him. We're like, can we help you, man? We're closed. He's like, yeah, like this is, this is my bar. <laughs> Kids are like, what? He's like, yeah, this is my bar. Um, I'm like a 30% partner. He's like, what are you talking? Um, well, come in, I guess. You know, he's got all this paperwork. He's like, yeah, I'm just here for kind of like my dividends, man. Like I need to start seeing some returns. Like I've got all this paper. They had no idea about any of this, right? So sure enough, over the next three days, multiple people show up. Paperwork, lawyers, the whole night. You're like, more people saying we own you. Money. You owe me money because I've put money into this bar, right? So it turns out the the dude that's back in Germany now, psychotic breakdown. He had, I mean, the only thing could be he'd been smoking uh, crystal, been smoking ice. We call it Yaba, means uh, Ya like my buddy Kunya mm-hmm. medicine, and Ba means crazy. So crazy medicine. That's mm-hmm. how the Thai language works. It's a, and so. This guy blew down. I mean, he had a great business, everything, but he blew it all away on, uh, like just really bad Thai drugs and really bad, uh, Thai women. And by the way, uh, this is very important to say Thai women are not bad. This misconception about them is, is wrong. Um, they're actually very, very sweet people. They're very easy people, but you know, she, I should say like bad drug addict women is what I should say. Um, and so that's just sort of a word of warning because surprisingly is that that's kind of a crazy one but it's very common stories like that are, are surprisingly common i'm sure you've heard them all over as well i 100%. mean it seems like everything's going great and then you just get caught up in it and i think people have this tendency i think this guy's real problem really is i don't think he ever really respected the culture man i think he took this place as his playground he didn't want to he wanted to take something from this society but he didn't want to give anything into it and he didn't really want to immerse himself in it mm-hmm. yeah i mean yes i mean i guess because it's the one of the biggest cities in asia or is the biggest city in asia like uh third largest third largest, third largest. you can get anything you want drugs yes yeah. heroin anything yeah sure definitely Got definitely it. um and the locals have a problem with it in some parts some parts. So, and this is kind of little known, but basically, I don't know if you're familiar with the Filipino kind of style crackdowns that are going, basically in the Philippines, there's extrajudicial killings that have been going on for drug dealers, which frankly, I, I don't believe it's extrajudicial. So they don't actually ever put them on trial. Murder, essentially. It's the like go- political the, murder. The government yeah, kills them. Correct. Okay. Um, and, you know, more or less similar things were going on in the early 2000s in Thailand because you had kids on the street that were like cracked out basically, you know, like four or five year olds. And so it's really cleaned up since then. Um, drugs are a lot less of a problem in Thailand. Um, as far as it's more of a thing for the elite now where it's, I guess, recreational. Or if they do have a real addiction, they have the money and the abilities to get treatment and health care and all of that. Um, and while I'm on that one thing, I'll say real quickly about Thai poverty, Thai people. My uncle volunteers in the biggest slum in Bangkok every week. There's a whole another story to that. But the beautiful thing about it is... So like, just imagine the worst ghetto in America, dude, and then make it eight times more poor. The beautiful thing about it is, is you can walk there. And I mean, literally you can walk there at two o'clock in the morning, drunk, like making noise and nobody's ever going to like even, you know, they might just like, why at you? That's where they put their hands together. You know, Saudi cat, Saudi cat, why, you know, put their hands together at you. So there's no real violence. I mean, there's, and there's no real anger, like with these really properly impoverished people, man, like. Because they live in slums, somebody could basically come in and with one hour's notice and say, get everything you have and leave. We're tearing it down. And that happened a bunch in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. So, and I believe the point of that is, is poor people in this country are allowed to keep their dignity. And that's something that I don't think we do for poor people in America or poor people in England, because we're so individualistic that if you're homeless, like you screwed up, like it's on you, man. Like, why didn't you get your shit together? You know, why don't you go out and do this? Thai people are not individualistic. They're collective. 
Thai people go, well, if my society's okay, and usually that's my family, it's my small little node, my little nuclear family. If they're okay, like I'm okay. Like, why is it weird that I live with in my mom's house till I'm 35? Like, why would I go pay rent? Whereas for us, it's like, you know, like my dad's saying when I, you know, 18, it's like, you can go to the army, you can go to school or you can go to work, but you got to go, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's very different. That's beautifully said, yeah. dude. Very yeah. beautifully said. If you could give the audience or somebody listening advice, you know, about, <clears throat> you know, taking that first step out, coming to Bangkok to start their dream life or just see something new. Sure. What would you say? Yeah. Let me preface it with like, I'm 23 years old, everybody. So, <laughs> so, um, I'm aware of how, how that is giving, trying to give advice. But anyway, um, I'd say a couple things. One, go for it. That's a really generic one. But like, if you have any inkling that you want to travel, like do it. Cause you'll, it's amazing the amount of people you meet that they never travel until it's too late. Essentially, you know, they keep putting it off, putting it off. So if you can do it also, you can afford it. Like if you, for the most part, most people that are listening to this, like if you have a job, like don't go out on Friday night, go go out on Saturday night. Like I've met so many kids that have traveled for years cause they just did that. Like what you were saying, go home and work for a month, save hard. Like you weren't going out to the bars when you were doing that. No way. Cause you just, you can't. So that, and then I guess what I touched on earlier, cause it's very important to me, I guess right now in my life, it has a lot of significance and that's the, like, really be kind to yourself. Try to be kind to yourself. I really think we're here in this life to learn. I think that's kind of what it's about. It's a learning experience and, you know, really kind of keep in mind, maybe this is cause I'm a young guy, but you know, keep in mind that the mistakes you make, like everybody's making them. That was my big problem. That's where a lot of depression came from for a long time. It's like, I'm, and it's so selfish and like arrogant. It's arrogant actually to go like, I'm so unique that like, I'm the only one that's ever done crazy shit at three in the morning and made an ass of myself. It's like, no, you're not man. And it's okay. And you'll grow. So I think that's what it is, man. It's like growth. Be kind to yourself, you know? Beautiful yeah. said, Austin. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank for you, man. Me, dude. No, thank you. Pleasure. It's really been a pleasure, man. Awesome. It's really been a pleasure. Wow. Thank you, Austin. I really appreciate you coming on and describing your experiences throughout your life and in Bangkok right now. I mean, definitely inspires me just to keep striving for what I want to accomplish. You know, you're young, you're ambitious, you're doing what you love. And I think we can all draw upon that energy, that excitement that you have throughout this conversation that can really motivate us all to just stay focused and, and believe that we can all do it as well. Remember, please follow me on Instagram at Misfits and Rejects. You can follow me throughout my own lifestyle design. If you like Misfits and Rejects, if you're a fan and you really want to help me out also, you can donate a monthly amount, whatever it may be, on Patreon. That's Misfits and Rejects at Patreon. And all really appreciated, obviously not expected. Please pull out your phone as well. Pull it out, subscribe, comment on your podcast player. That really helps me in the ratings of, on whatever podcast player you're listening on and just helps Misfits and Rejects get more exposure. Their algorithms pick me because I have a lot of comments and a lot of followers. So all of that is really helpful to me, and it's greatly appreciated. And until next week, I just want you all to remember, as usual, I think you all are so very beautiful. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.